Hello, my badass friends. Welcome to this episode of the Badass Ladies Club. I'm Laurie, here with my friend Jessica. Hey, guys. We are so excited to bring you some time today with the fabulous Carrie Davis, who we're so stoked about talking to. Um, But before we get into Carrie, Jessica's going to tell us about our Badass of the Week. I'm so excited about this week's Badass of the Week because I've never met this person but I'm only slightly obsessed with him. Um, His name is Gino Chapman. Gino is from Honolulu, but he's based out of Los Angeles. He is a master hair cutter, extremely talented. He won Naha 2013 in Contemporary Classics. He was nominated in 2014 for the same category. He won the Southwest Hairstyling Award for Master Haircutting in 2015. He was a global guest artist with Aveda for 18 years. So I've seen him work on many different occasions through different hair shows we used to go to. Um, But his newest thing is that he has created his own men's hair care line called Gray Label. And I thought that the mission was so cool. And their mission is to have proceeds of each product to go to charity so we as humans can help humans thrive, not just survive. And that really spoke to us. So um, we would be honored to have Gino on. Gino, if you're listening, this is your invitation. I'm going to be stalking you a little bit and reaching out and get prepared to come on for us. So yay, Gino. Yay, Gino. He's going to be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. So Carrie Davis, how the heck are you, lady? I'm good. Good. And I mean, Gino is one of my favorites. (laughs) He's so fun. (laughs) He is fun. Okay. He's so funny. Um, He's hilarious. (laughs) And, um, my mom met him, my mom, who's 83 and she just thought his name was Dino. So now I just call him Dino and he knows, he knows what's up. Okay. This is his new nickname from now on. Um, From my mom. (laughs) Love it. Um, you know, it's funny that you bring up your mom because a big part of what we wanted to talk about today was just the birth of Gila Root and that that is really at its core, a family business. So tell us a little bit about Gila Root for people that are living under a rock and maybe haven't heard of it, what it is and what's going on. (laughs) Oh gosh. Well, I mean, we, uh, we own salons in San Diego. So Gila Root, uh, is, you know, is my mom and I opened our first Gila Root location in 1992. And, um, you know, we, we've just been going, we've been going, we're going on 29 years this year. Congratulations. That's so awesome. Um, so uh, California specifically had a really tumultuous, uh, COVID experience, lots of shutdowns, a lot of time, not at work. Like we speak about it a lot on our podcast that we were closed for 10 weeks and we lost our minds through that period. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to contend with a lot more time out of work and be the anchor and support to the team that was freaking out the way that we were freaking out, you know, like here, but just for a lot three longer, times, but three times as much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so you guys are back at work now. Yeah. How are things being back in the salon? Well, uh, they're good. I mean, I think that, you know, the first time we closed, it was the first time for everybody, right? So everybody was freaking out together. Everybody was spending all the time that, um, 
that we were closed, at least us owners. I feel like our staff were on little vacations, but as owners, we were just like, oh my God, how do I have to rebuild my business and rebuild the practices and what it, should it look like and what should the systems be and what does all this mean and how are we going to get it done in two weeks, which is what we initially thought. Right. That was cute, right? <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I feel like we went through this closing and then we reopened and we were on track with most of the country. And so we were, you know, we were all going through this together. So then when we closed the second time, it was easier, right? Because like we, we had done it once. It was harder emotionally, but it was easier in the way that we didn't have to spend necessarily all of our time redeveloping how to open a COVID friendly, if you will, business. Um, And so we just started deep diving on other business practices that just had maybe been put off to the side that needed to be revamped or new practices we wanted to integrate um, just in general. Um, And we, this time, unlike the first time, because we were so busy, really had a focus on um, staying connected with our team in a lot of different ways because by the third shutdown, that, that was even harder because people just were like, oh yeah, we've been through this before. And they just started drifting and I started drifting and I'm like, mm. somebody tether me <laughs> to the ground. Like, what are we ever going to open again? So each one had like a weird nuance unto itself. And I had to focus and my business partner and I, we had to focus on something different with each one during each one of the shutdowns. Um, so I mean, you know, like I said, before we even went on air, you know, I mean, pivot has been my, my biggest word and, um, and I'm an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist that I know that, that no matter what's happening right here, right now, um, things are going to end up for their higher good. And I don't, and, and the hard part of, trying to practice spirituality and letting go and all of those things is that the higher good may not be what you think is best. Sadly. The higher good good is the higher good. And and it doesn't take into consideration your feelings, but it's trusting that life's process has done you right so far. Right. And so we have to kind of trust and believe and do what you can in front of you. And, um, and let go of the rest. And so that, that really was my internal kind of spiritual work uh, as we were on this yo-yo train. Wow. I, I love that. Laurie and I have talked at length multiple times about even during our shutdown here in Texas, we were watching you on social media and your optimism, the way you led your team through that first shutdown when you were shut down with us and all these shutdowns since then has been so inspirational, um, motivational, and just really speaks to our heart as leaders in our business, um, with our salon at William edge. And I mean, we were looking to you like through Facebook and everything being like, what's Carrie doing? What is Carrie doing? How is she handling this? And so, you know, when we're thinking of badasses in this industry, I mean, you were an obvious choice because you've led with your heart and that just speaks so much to us. So we're curious, um, what has been your COVID silver lining? Everybody's got one. Do they? I mean, (laughs) Carrie's like, I don't know. 
hang on a minute. That wasn't in the the pre the pre question <laughs> sheet I got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, my God, I mean, there have been a lot, I, I, there, there have been a lot of, um, of silver linings, I feel like. And, um, and I, and I also believe there, there will be more, more will be revealed, uh, as we continue to operate our business in, in a new way in, in many, uh, um, areas of our business but I think the biggest the biggest one is more on a personal level. I mean, I was able to spend a lot of time with my family, and you know, my son was out of school. He was he's now back in school, but he was virtual, so I was able to spend a lot of time with him and my wife. Um, and so, on a personal level, we just have never had that time, and it causes you to just slow down a little bit, and you know, appreciate just kind of what's in front of you. Sometimes we're moving so quickly that we don't have an opportunity to just stop and just appreciate what's right in front of us. So on a personal level that I think that that was a silver lining. That was awesome. On a business level, it was one of those things. One of my silver linings is one of those things that some people might feel is hard. And I find it a little bit refreshing that the business weeds out um, what doesn't serve it. And I really had to lean into that this business will look exactly the way it's supposed to look, no matter how I feel about it. So it's really that same mindset that I have tried to embrace. Um, And if people weren't ready to come back, that was okay. Mm-hmm. And if people were ready to come back, that was great. And if people decided they weren't coming back at all, okay, we will continue to move forward. And I just didn't let anything rock me. I mean, as, as you guys know, and we'll probably bring up, and we closed a location during COVID. Yeah. Um, so we closed our, our most recent, which is eight, it was eight and a half years old. We just never reopened it after the second shutdown. And that was another thing that, you know, and financially, I mean, we definitely had to bring money in to close it. Um, but it was another thing for me that was like, it's not serving the bigger part of the company. Yeah. And sometimes doing a check on one's pride that, oh, we should be open and we should stay open and how's this going to look? And, you know, the, the ego gets caught up in a lot of the decisions that um, that we need to make. But I think that um, stepping into a leadership position means stepping into your courage sometimes and having blind faith and saying, if this isn't serving me, just like maybe employees or business or whatever, it's not serving the bigger piece, the bigger, higher good. Um, then it's, then we need to, we need to be able to let go. And we don't know what that's going to look like even maybe on the other side, but we know that it's not necessarily serving us. So, you know, that's just been, uh, it's been, it's not the easiest way to have to think because we want to think we have so much control, but we really don't have control over, over anything other than how we respond and react to things. Right. Like we don't have any control over whether, whether people come back, whether we have right. a walkout, whether we have those things are going to be what they're going to be. What we have control over is what we're going to do ourselves about it. I love that. I think that overwhelmingly the biggest lesson that came out of COVID for me, I know, was just that you, you don't have control, you know, like yeah. in that it was all an illusion 
in the first place. You know, it just brought it to the surface and put it in our faces that, yeah, Yeah. this is outside of it. I also love the idea of like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's not. um, And I know that my own process has been so much one of uh, not trying to make things happen, but just letting, allowing things to be what they are, you know, and to not judge it so much. And that is, um, that's some straight wisdom that you got to work on, you know, like I still struggle with that daily. Um, and so it's really, really awesome to hear that on a scale as large as business closing locations, you know, like that those little tweaks that we're all trying to learn on a, you know, shallow level sometimes translate to giant things like businesses, you know? And, uh, so that's really an awesome way to look at that for sure. I feel like, William Edge and Gila Root are like sister, you know, companies, siblings, siblings. siblings, Yeah. Because there's so much about uh, the culture at Gila Root that reminds me of the culture at William Edge and vice versa. And I think it's partially because you and Billy are tight, you know, and um, I know had a lot of trainings and, you know, like formative years together and that that really speaks uh, so much to me based on how I can see your team feels about you Mm -hmm. and how you feel about them. And so all of that is very, it's like a mirror, you know, and feels good. How do you create those kinds of like heart centered connections with your team while also making it about business work Mm -hmm. growing, you know, like sometimes those things are conflicting. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? I don't see them as conflicting personally. I see them as just a human way to move forward. I think that we have to have business goals. The business has to stay open, right? Then there are certain systems and, and things that we have to do every single day in order for a business to stay open. And inside that framework, so here's the framework. The framework is Uh, We have a business. Not only does it have to stay open, it has to be sustainable. It has to be profitable um, in order to sustain. So inside that framework that we all know needs to happen, how can I, we, I talk about we as my business partner and I, and I, and I talk to this about my team is, is be as transparent uh, as we possibly can when things are looking shitty. I, I don't, I don't like showing up and talking about that, but I feel like it's my job to stand up and say, God, you know, this is feeling really hard. I know we'll get through it, but these are the things that are going on. This is how I see us kind of moving from this. Let's all brainstorm or come together and, you know, figure out a way. So I I'm, I'm as transparent about that as I am about the great things that happened and and the painful things that happened. And I think that it's been a learning curve for me over the years and it comes with age, I think, and and working on yourself as a human, that people relate to someone who also is just feels human and like that they're one of them. And so um, when I can be more vulnerable and I can just, stand and uh, that I don't know everything and that there is still a lot more for me to learn and that I don't really know what's going to happen. But what I know right now is this is what we're doing. People can relate to that. And um, it's a more approachable way I feel to lead. And I have built deeper relationships with my team by allowing that vulnerability to 
hang out when it comes. Love that. Um, so looking back, um, through building your business, creating this culture in your salon, um, and all the developments you've done over your career, what has been your biggest lesson through the beauty industry? Like as a leader or just in the industry, what, what specific are you kind of, I would, I would focus on leadership for sure. Yeah. Just cause I feel like that's what people look to you for. Mm. Mm. Um, my biggest lesson. I think there's two things that, that come up. One is, um, is the transparency piece is that that has that has not always been my way and but that has become a very important way for people to trust where you are and where we're going um instead of um i and i i'm also a believer that if i'm not in front of the story the story called my business and i'm not leading that story that story will get led somewhere mm. um because and not told by me mm-hmm. and i and i want to be the author and I want to be the storyteller of what's happening under my roof. And so, you know, it's been making a commitment to be in front of what my partner and I call being staying in front of the narrative with our team, whether we're doing Facebook lives every week with them, even just talking about what's happening with COVID or, you know, tightening things up that maybe we, we need to take a look at or like it's always about education and being in front of whatever story. So I think that's a really big piece. And then that piece that we talked about earlier that what, what do we really have control over? Yeah is we can do the best that we can do with as much integrity and respect of other people and staying true to your vision. And you got to let go of the rest. Like you have to trust that people want to follow that. And the people that want to be a part of that are going to align with you. And the people that aren't supposed to be with you long-term, they're not, they're going to drop off and find their own way. And it all needs to be okay. I, I, it took me a long time to get there. Um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of heartache. And I'm not saying sometimes that doesn't come up in a rush Mm -hmm. when I am faced with that type of situation. But for the most part, um, I can't expend my energy on stuff like that. I love it. I love it. So it, it's interesting because as COVID came around last year, um, it's when I started to connect to some of your other pursuits, things like beauty backbone and then your seven steps program uh, that we spoke about a little bit earlier. So talk to us about what is beauty backbone and where the uh, idea and concept came from when you wanted to put that together. Well, it's kind of, you know, I never, I never intended to have a, um, an educational company. Um, I, cause I have these businesses and they take up a lot of time, but another huge part of what I do in my career is I travel and I'm a business speaker. Right. And so, I mean, in non COVID years, I would probably be gone twice a month somewhere across the country doing business speaking. And, um, so this is how it would go. And this has been going on for like, you know, the past 25 years. So this is how it would go. I would try to go to some seminar or a show or something that I spoke at. And I would talk about maybe what we're doing, any systems or strategies or whatever. And then following that, whatever, if it's in a in salon or at a hair show or whatever, I would get inundated with emails 
Can you send me that system that you do? Can you send me your education program? Can you send me this? So I would forward on the emails to my business partner and to my ma- to the managers of our locations. And I'm like, hey, can you, you know, find the paperwork on this or our, you know, systems on this and, and send it to me. And then I would send it off. And Carla said to me, look, enough is enough. Like, <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, you, we need to have everything in one place. So when people need sources and people need specific things that you're out there talking about, we're not all running around like a chicken with our head cut off and um, trying to find everything and sending them like our makeshift shit. Yep. <laughs> you know? So, um, so I said, you know what, you're right. And at the same time, um, one of our educators had developed an amazing education program in the salon. He got moved to lead educator. He was in charge of our education department. And he um, previously was an educator at Paul Mitchell School. And he created this uh, great curriculum uh, for the salon. And it was super, it was more structured than we ever had. Very check and balance, a very lean um, an easy way for, for people that came out of school to go through our course and get onto the floor. And it was just more organized than we ever had it. And so um, I remember being at Serious Business one year and I was showing some of my friends this system. I was like bragging about it. I'm like, oh my God, look what John made and this and that. And so my friends started saying, we need a program like that. I'm like, oh my God. So can we hire John to come out and develop this program, you know, for us. And so we were on the flight back home after that serious business. And I was like, John was so excited. He was like, oh, I'm finally done with the program. I said, I don't think we're done with the program. We need to rewrite it for like a general audience because this is specific to our company. So all of this started happening kind of at the same time. And so we created a program in salon, virtual in salon education platform. That's a train the trainer program that um, teaches an educator how to teach. Because one thing that keeps happening is if our educators keep leaving and moving on, we have to keep training another educator on how to teach. So if the salon had a program that a hairdresser could go through, a six week program, to learn how to be an educator and everything that that salon wanted to teach, this many haircuts, this many colors, these learn how to deal with these benchmarks, um, then why wouldn't they want that? So we created a program called Trainio um, that salons can buy and they could, and it's like a, it's like a in-salon education program in a box on how to train the trainer. And then at the same time, we decided to take that and just roll it into Carla's request, which was, let's put everything in one place. Um, And so it ended up just being this hub called Beauty Backbone, which, you know, helps salons with in-salon education. So it's education, our pillars, education, culture, which, as you know, I'm super passionate about, Um, finance, I'm super passionate about that, Um, operations, and leadership. So those are like the five things that we focus on in Beauty Backbone, which is really essentially what it takes to run a business. Um, and so that's kind of a long story, how the, the company came about. And then under the Beauty Backbone umbrella, we create great systems like you mentioned, like our seven steps to salon profit, which is a virtual program that we 
I developed before COVID hit um, because I thought, I don't really know that I want to keep traveling so much. I want to be able to help people online. And why shouldn't I do that? That launched in January of 2020. And wow. little did you know. <laughs> little did I know, right? And so March, we shut down. And I mean, that program took off yeah. um, because people aren't going anywhere. And it's super, it's re- really reasonably priced. And so they're able to, I work with them every week. We do lives every week. They upload homework every week. And so I really walk them through um, how to create um, profit and sustainability for their business. And I love it. So I don't know how much travel is in my future. There'll be some, but um, but this is a great way to work with people. And I think that's kind of another silver lining uh, from COVID. Absolutely. And yeah, just the universe is magical in the way that it lines things right? up like that yeah. sometimes. Um, I always remind myself better than I could have worked it out in my own head if I would just get out of the way and let it come. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. that's so cool. So I have to say, Carrie, your personal style is like top notch. Agreed. Like we always love your hair and your clothes and just like your vibe and everything. And so, um, Laurie and I have talked about how, you know, in developing badass ladies club and we're developing our own brand, like people that we look to whose brands are just on point. So what advice do you have for artists who are creating their own personal brand? I don't even think about like what my own personal brand looks like, to be honest with you. Um, I, I, I am an advocate and I'm sure if people follow me one week to the next that like, I love changing my hair and my hair is different than when I talked to you last week. Um, and I just love changing. I love changing my look and I love that this industry allows us the opportunity to have different hair every week, whether we want to add hair or take hair off or change the color. And I think if we as leaders, okay, as I'll start with leaders, want our team to follow suit, we have to step into that arena and we have to lead by example. And I mean, I'm here I am today. I mean, it's technically my day off, but this is how I would go out and go, go to the grocery store. And so I just take pride in how I look. And we all know when we step it up and we feel like we look better, we have a better attitude. We feel better about ourselves. Yeah. People feel it. I don't wear a lot of makeup, but if I even put a little on, I feel better than when I don't have any on it. Just even if it's just the bare minimum. And then it goes the same thing really goes to show with my team. If my team's not changing, their clients aren't changing. If the clients aren't changing, they're not inspired to talk to their friends about the changes they're having done with their hair. So it is like this domino effect that we have to be the change makers. We have to lead by example. I mean, I see some people that have the same hair year over year over year. And it's like, come on now, you (laughs) you can do this. You know, it's just hair. It's an accessory. It comes and it goes. And so um, I think it's really important that you can stay in the same branded style inside. And I, I talk a lot about framework, but continue to change inside that framework. I think it's, I think it's critical in the industry that we're in to change it up. Yeah. Love that. So who would you say are some of your style icons, um, past and present? 
Mm. Well, if you guys know Ginger Boyle, mm-hmm. oh my God, yes. yes. I mean, iconic, right? Yeah. She's one of my besties. And she amazes me. I mean, I look at her and she keeps me inspired on like, what should I be doing from her glasses to her giant chunky tennis shoes? (laughs) I mean, to her, you know, the other day we were on a, on a, doing like a zoom cocktail hour and I'm like, is that pink in your hair? <laughs> like, oh yeah, I got like my money piece. You know what I'm like, really? Um, and so when I changed my hair yesterday, I texted her. I'm like, I, I'm going a little apricot, but kind of pink, you know? And so um, I just, I like to look for funky. I like funky for sure. And then I say, wow, that's funky. And then how can I alter it so it feels comfortable in my skin? You know, because you have to feel really good. People go, I can't wear my hair that short. I can't. Mm -hmm. And I go, well, if you feel good in it and you're confident in it, you can actually wear anything. So, um, so I don't know. I don't really have like a lot of people, but for sure, Ginger is one of, of my peeps. And I have to say my mom, um, (laughs) who I told you before is 83. She'll be 84 this March. She is so cute. I'm like, I'm like. I'm five nine. I'm a pretty tall girl, right? Uh, she's five two. Okay, so she's like, <laughs> and um, and she she has short short gray pixie, like salt and pepper, a lot of white pixie, and these like big old thick big old glasses, and she's so cute. It. Like I took her to get um, her vaccine um, a couple of weeks ago, you know, and we're in line, and if not. 50 people walk by, love your glasses, love your look, love your, and I'm like, I want to be like Like you. Mom, She just rocks it. She's so cute. I find that to be so true of style in general is when you just are authentically embracing what you have going on, that people notice that um, and give you that feedback. I love that your mom came up. Uh, my mom and I have been accused of having uh, similar hair and like, direction <laughs> at times. I felt good about the mullet. And then I found this picture of her with a mullet in the eighties. And I was like, okay, like, okay, well, maybe I'm copying I got that my mom from. a little bit. It's good. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? That was like that when I, um, I grew my hair out, I grew all the color out and my hair is like a really beautiful silver salt and pepper. And the way it's placed is like the pepper is super chunky. So it's nice. not just like sporadic. And the white is like, snow white. Right. And it's, and I, and I, I grew it out and I got a million compliments on my hair being natural. And I kept looking in the mirror and I'm like, I look too much like my mom at this point. Yeah. <laughs> color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, so people like, you're coloring that hair. And maybe I said, later. I gotta color it. Bleach <laughs> it and color it gray. There, there you go. Color. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Is there a hairstyle or a color that you have not tried that you are excited to get into? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm here right now. Um, and then my son's being bar mitzvah in August. Okay. So I have like five and a half months. So as far as I'll ever look out is like for him, what like, do you want me to look what's like? What's the next thing mind? that we're like, doing? That you're yeah. going to be comfortable. Cause sometimes if I'm like rocking the dreads or, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's yeah. like, really mom. <laughs> you know? So, um, so I'm like, how do you want me to look? And he told me yesterday, remember how you looked, whatever he stated some date. And I was like, when my hair was kind of blonde and just kind of like normal, normal. Mm-hmm. He's all, uh-huh. I was like, 
we'll work on that. One. So, <laughs> we can get there. <laughs> so on the topic of moms, I, one of the reasons that, um, I'm like hooked onto your social media is I, my mom is gay. And so I, remember a time back when I was young, I'm 42 now, you know, like when my mom came out, it was a big iffy thing for, to have a gay mom, um, in the mid eighties, you know, into the early nineties even. Um, and there was a lot of things socially, definitely judicially, you know, like women in Oklahoma can have their children taken away for being gay. And so I think it's so interesting how much that's changed just in my lifetime and that you and your family are so precious and are, you know, just, it radiates from what I've seen just through a social media lens, Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like there's been a lot of progress already, but I'm passionate about continuing to move the needle forward because it's not like that in all parts of the country, definitely not in Oklahoma anymore. Um, and so what's, what are your, um, inspirations as far as moving those needles forward? with the gay community? I mean, you know, being gay is not like a choice, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's who, it's who you are. Usually it's, it's what you're born into. Right. And so, um, I've, I've never really had an issue with it. I've never hidden it. It's just, I, I just show up and I, and I'm very fortunate that I work in an industry that it's just a, it's a no, it's, it's a, just a non-talker, yeah. right? It's like a whatever. Um, but what I am passionate about is I'm passionate about a people voting, okay, <clears throat> for people that continue to allow progress and don't stop progress. And that's, that's gay rights, that's LGBTQ rights, that's women's rights, that's black rights, that's Latino rights. That's just like equality is really where my passion is. So I will, I do talk about that freely. Um, and if you don't like it, get off my page. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, it's, I don't know, I think by showing up and being who you are, um, and hopefully you're respectful to people, even if you don't agree, you know, hopefully you're able to be transparent and be your authentic self and show the beauty and joy that a lot of, um, some progress may happen um, just by people watching and saying, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that could look like that. Or does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I see that. I think, like I said, that's what, part of one of the reasons why that's so inspirational to me, because I remember a day where I thought there's no way that uh, two women or two men could raise a family successfully without all of this negative feedback. Um, so it's really inspiring to, to see that, um, the way that you guys have worked or, or just the way that you're living, you know, like that it's inspiring to me to see that, uh, it's international women's month, this Yay! month, uh, March 1st, month. just, uh, hit and women's rights have, you know, been on a lot of shaky ground over the last several years. Oh yeah. We are um, excited this month to focus on inspirational women in history and women's rights in general, just as far as the Badass Ladies Club platform is concerned. Do you have uh, women icons, people in women's history that you feel like are important or that are a good idea for us to focus on this month? Call Shine a Light On? I mean, I will tell you that, I mean, 
The first person that always comes to my mind is Oprah Winfrey. And she's just like, I have followed, she, I feel like has been like my soul sister my whole life. <laughs> I mean, I would make sure I was off work at four so I could go home and like watch her show. And not just because of the topic, because of how she presented herself and who she showed up to be and all of her transparency and, and all of her strength and in all of her vulnerability. I loved, I love that about her. Um, and I have loved that about her. I love um, watching um, Kamala. I think that she is like, wow. I mean, I, this is just such a big year um, and so many people to celebrate because so much progress has been made even in the face of the resistance. Yeah. Because progress does move forward, whether we whether people like it or not. I mean, it may not move forward as quickly because of the resistance, but it will continue to move. And we have to keep standing up for it and keep talking about it. So I love that you guys are doing your piece on it. Yeah, that's Kamala has definitely Kamala been a huge. Yeah. was a big one for me because I have cousins who are mixed and I just love that my 13 year old cousins get to watch a woman of color step into a role like that. Oh and, gosh. you know, the day inauguration day or, you know, this whole journey, but especially inauguration day, like I was emotional. Oh my gosh. Oh, um, yeah. just I cried all day. I know. Same <laughs> because I mean, to me, it didn't matter. Like, I mean, yes, the politics are important. Policy is important. But I was just so focused on gratitude of having a woman in color, like, step into that role and just being this beacon of light for little girls, especially little girls of color everywhere was just so huge for me. And I'm so excited that that's a thing now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, I kept my son home. We kept, we all stayed home that day um, from work and school. And I think that yes, for sure, little girls, um, but also boys. Yeah. Yeah. So your son, how did he feel about it? That that the boys see that too, that it is like that, because it's not necessarily women not treating women equally, although that Mm -hmm. does happen, but the majority is, you know, is men not treating women as equals, right? It's not women saying, don't pay us more. Right. Right. It's men saying, don't pay us more. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not saying don't pay ourselves more. And so I think it's important to, to be able to raise our children with those same values. And that's how each generation continues to progress. I love that. Uh, yeah. I love that you kept him home and that you guys all <laughs> took the day off to do that. I oh. did not see any of it live. I watched yeah, it all either. that evening. And I guess because of social media, you know, like you see clips of things. And so I had seen pieces and bits of it throughout the day. Um, So I didn't expect to be very emotional when I watched the replay of it. But when I, I mean, like I was a sobbing mess. It was really a a magic moment just to have a woman in office. Um, And she's not just any woman, man. Like she is amazing. And I've learned so much just about her over the last six months or so trying to be more educated. Like it's just such a great role model for, uh, for women everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so politics in general are something that we have straddled a really delicate line with, with Badass Ladies Club. I think mainly just because sometimes it's hard to talk about in a prof- and be professional about it and try and be inclusive. Um, and so, you know, we were curious, how do you balance your personal political views with your professional out there in front of everybody or do you balance them or, you know, like, how do you straddle that line? 
Oh yeah. I mean, you have to, right? Mm -hmm. So again, it's like, what's the narrative? And um, I will tell you that the narrative in our company, and I mean, how could it not be for forever since we were born has been equality is equal rights for all people. And so if there's a group that needs to be stood up for, we will stand up for because we believe in equal rights for all people. I have had people leave my company and I don't know about clients, but um, not want to work for us because of the umbrella they have felt they've been put under. Mm. And that's okay with me too, because you have to stand for something or you fall for everything. I mean, that's kind of what goes on in my mind. Now, when I say stand for it, I'm not out there like a political beast making, you know, political statements, but I do take a stand for equality. So if we're at the Black Lives Matter March or we're at the Pride March or we're at, you know, celebrating National Women's month or we're celebrating, you know, black history month or we're so we celebrate those because we celebrate, you know, the strength and the pride and the equality of all people. And so, um, that is the stand we take. It is, doesn't really to me, um, I don't go, uh, into the political arena with it, but our stand is always equality. I love that. And whatever that means for the political landscape, it falls wherever it lands. It could be in in an Obama era. It could be in a Trump era. It could be in a Biden era. Wherever it lands, it lands. But we don't take the throttle off of what that stand is. Yeah. I think that's part of what makes people connect to your company and your branding too, though, is that, uh, when you can stand up for things in a respectful, you know, yeah. and equality centered way that that resonates with people. Yeah. yeah. I love that outlook. That is helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, because being in Texas where we are a red state, you know, we don't want to, um, alienate, alienate someone who could potentially be a really awesome listener. So we want to be inclusive and open. Um, but I love that. That's something that we're never going to stray away from is equality for all. Totally. So thank you for that. It's kind of like find your passion. That's our passion. Our passion is that everybody should have equal rights. It just doesn't matter the color, the gender, the orientation. Um, that is, has always been our stand. So, I mean, again, like I said, sometimes it might feel or sound political, but it isn't. It is just about the people. Right. Well, and I also think that there's so much of like a reactionary culture anymore where, um, when we were talking with Deborah Neal, she really got me grounded in this idea that like, what do I think versus what do I believe? Mm-hmm. And that sometimes, you know, like believing something just for the sake of believing it is hurting your process, you know, and yeah. to really um, let go of what you believe and get grounded in what you think. And I had never thought of it that mm-hmm. way, but it's that was really been helpful. Um, well, you know, our beliefs are not always ours. Yeah. They're inherited. Right. Yeah. So you inherit a belief system just growing up by virtue of growing up and, and your familial beliefs, then you inherit them as your own. And as we get older, it's our responsibility to um, interrogate our belief system to see if it really belongs to us. Mm-hmm. There have been things I've had to disown. I'm like, that doesn't belong to me, but it was given to me. Yeah, And I'm respectfully going to set it over here because it just doesn't, it doesn't 
it doesn't resonate with who I am, but it was, it was inherited. Right. It's like, I agree with the, you're a product of your environment conversation, but also as adults, it's our responsibility to be educated and to, um, have empathy to step out of the box and learn from other people's paths that just because that's your experience doesn't mean it's right. Well, in giving each other the permission to, like you said, respectfully set that belief outside. And that isn't like a betrayal of where you came from Mm -hmm. or, you know, like where those beliefs came from. It just means that you're evolving, you know, like on your own path and that that's totally normal and cool and badass in a lot of respects, you know, to, to heal past that space. And so I know that, um, that was a big transition for me where Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's not disrespectful to be like, no, I'm not so into that belief. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I want to create something new. Mm -hmm. Um, I love this conversation. (laughs) Badass ladies club is so founded on this idea that it's not always easy to heal. Um, and, but that people who take that leap, you know, and are willing to be uncomfortable like that should be celebrated. Um, and so a lot of these conversations sometimes are uncomfortable because we're talking about really delicate things that are, um, and oftentimes we're the first to point out, like, we are not experts on this stuff. We're trying to figure it out as we go and to create a conversation and dialogue around that is the only way that we know to do that, especially with people who have, um, more experience than we do in some of these spaces on the heels of uh, international women's month. And, um, we have joked a lot about like, we both feel like we're feminists, um, you know, like at heart in our roots, <laughs> but that sometimes feminism has kind of like a dirty word, it's like a dirty F word. with it, you know? And, um, and what that means anymore, like in 2021, what does it even mean to be a feminist? Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Well, I just have a little bit of a broader thought on that, not on specifically feminism, but I have a broader thought on not putting a label um, mm. on really on yourself. And um, I talk to my son a lot about that when he tells me, you know, I like a girl or I like a boy or I like a this or a whatever, wherever he is. And he's like labeling. And I said, buddy, you know, the beautiful thing is, is we all get to love who we want to love and no, nobody needs to put a label on anything. And I think that um, it's the same way that I just don't identify. I feel like I'm totally for women's rights, but I don't identify my, somebody might may say you're, you're feminism, you're, you're feminist. I don't, I just don't think about it. And I don't, I don't, um, I don't really love labels. I, I think it yeah. puts people in a box. Mm-hmm. And then whatever people's interpretation of that label is, is how they box them up. And I just, I'm, I'm just not a fan of that. I love the idea of just like stepping out of that altogether and being like, well, yeah, you know, like, cause I know labels and ju- like labels can be really hurtful. And, um, but also sometimes I'll find myself stepping into them, you know, and it, that, that doesn't always have to be your identity just because that's your, uh, yeah. Because you have a certain belief, it doesn't mean you have to have a label smacked on it. Right. You know, right. well, and there's um, so many beautiful I mean, I examples. I don't walk around saying I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I will say, um, you know, meet my wife or, you know, whatever the case may be, but I don't even, I don't even remember the last time I used the term I'm gay. I don't even think that it's a necessary term to what does that even mean? I mean, people will have their own perception of what it means, but what difference does it make? Yeah. I mean, it's all a matter of who you're engaging with. Yeah. And in the first place. And I, I guess that's what I'm 
picking up on so many of your answers and feedback so far as like that just doing you just doing Carrie, you know, like mm-hmm. that it is something that's coming from inside you and you don't, uh, you don't take so much stock in what's coming at you, you know, like that. I don't. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like, you know, my age, maybe it's just the, you know, the life I've lived, um, the people I've been around. Um, I just, I think you start narrowing down what's really important and what's important is heart connections and what's important are relationships and what's important is, um, doing things that make you happy and fill you up. And, you know, when you take on a responsibility as a leader, then you need to have joy in leading other people and and helping to fill their cup. But like uh, anything other than that, I I don't put a whole lot of stock in with, um, with labels. And it's very hard even for me um, when I'm listening to speakers or bloggers or lives or whatever, and um, people start identifying who they know and, you know, what all of their um, achievements are and all of that. Like, I don't know what matters to me is here and now. And, um, it just like that stuff just doesn't, it doesn't impress me a lot. I don't, I don't throw out my whole litany list of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I just am I'm a little more neutral around that, uh, all of that this day and age. Well, I love it. And I'm here for it. And I'm totally going to, uh, embrace this perspective. <laughs> um, because I definitely feel the, um, that solid Zen, like go, getting into your flow and doing your thing. And it just looks so happy and comfortable and badass. I'm loving it. You wear it. Yeah. Well, you wear it well, lady. An inspiration. Wear it well. You wear, wear it well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so appreciate you coming and sharing your wisdom here today with us and our listeners and viewers. Um, uh, OG badass Carrie Davis. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. It was great hanging out with you yeah. and, you know, my buddy, Billy, <laughs> we all need to get together soon. Like do. one we day do. We do. when we, yeah. as soon as we're back I, to I travel, know. you guys are badass. <laughs> well, Thank thanks. you. We're, uh, it takes one to know no one. doubt. All right, you guys have a great day. If this episode resonated with you or there's somebody that you think would really benefit from hearing this, then please share it, like it, write us a review. Y'all have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you guys. Bye.